Juice Congruence. This is episode 46 of the American Muslim Experience. My name is Zaki Hassan, and my co-host Pervez Ahmed is not with me right now, but you will hear his voice in just a few minutes. Our guest for this episode is a return engagement by Azhar Usman, who I don't think anybody listening here needs an intro to, but just in case, Azhar is a Chicago-based stand-up comedian, actor, writer, playwright, and producer. CNN called him America's Funniest Muslim, and Georgetown University identified him as one of the 500 most influential Muslims in the world. Azhar served as a creative consultant on Hannibal Buress' 2016 Netflix comedy special, Comedy Commissado. Most recently, he performed a sold-out 18-show run of his critically acclaimed one-man show Ultra American, a Patriot Act in Chicago. Finally, Ezra will appear as a recurring character on the new Amazon Studios original series, Patriot, which you can find on there right now. Ezra makes a return to this show after having first appeared just about two years ago, January of 2015, where we called that the Diffuse Congruence episode featuring Ezra guest starring us. And uh, ever since that time, we were very, very much anticipating having him come back and uh, Pervez and I had the opportunity to catch up with Uzzer the day after he featured at the Zaytuna College fundraising dinner here in the San Francisco Bay Area. So Pervez and I went and we just chatted for about an hour and a half, give or take. We talked about his comedy roots, what he has coming up. We talked about the election and we talked about, well, a whole lot more. So go ahead and give it a listen starting now. Fake news, baby. Post-fact, fake news. <laughs> fake news, all facts. Post-fact. All, all, what the hell is post-fact? I know, dude. Post-truth, let me use the word post-truth. post-truth sorry. And post-truth. then, Sean, you, you see how Sean Hannity, like, talk about turning, the fra- turning a phrase? It's like the alt-left now. He calls it yeah, the alt-left media. It's extraordinary. Yeah, it's... It, it's I mean, it's, it's... I want to talk about this. It can be overwhelming if you let it be overwhelming, uh, just how, how perverse... Yeah. Well, you know I feel bad for? The guys who behind the website, alt-Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you mean Mexican? What does that mean? Alt-Muslim. <laughs> have, you, have you included that? That's and great. Alt-Muslim as well. That, that is a great one. It's like, dude, you guys doubled out of the wrong phrase. Well, I'm an alt-Muslim. What does that mean? I practice alt-Islam, also known as atheism. <laughs> alt-Muslim. Does. That's a great one. I didn't think about that. Atheism is kind of like alt-Islam. <laughs> if you think about it. Because they're actually right. All the arguments, I feel like this is where I'm arriving at more and more. Man. All of the philosophical arguments that I believe are being made by quote-unquote new atheists, mm-hmm. which is funny to me that they call themselves new yeah, atheists, because yeah, all they make are old arguments. Right. Right? They've already been refuted, and their philosophical position uh, from a Muslim, like a standpoint of Muslim theology, yeah. ontology, yeah. philosophy, metaphysics, spirituality, That's mysticism, right. it's like, dude, all of your arguments have already been accounted for, yeah. addressed and answered, Correct. and they don't conflict with what the core theological basis of Islam is. So I, I do consider all of this atheism to great, be a type of all Islam. Sure, yeah. yeah, it requires a correct understanding because the nuance is very important. When they say God does not exist, I think we talked about this in the last podcast, didn't we? We talked about in we, we covered some ground. Yeah. We, anyway, I've said a controversial thing God does not exist. So let me just clarify what I mean by that. Like the word, words are important. This is part, partly why I'm. You did a kind video of, on this that you posted on Facebook once. You, you I sitting in the think car. So. I think that's sort of I, was just, I was experimenting with this. You're waiting for 
Sunday get out. That was really known as class or That's really known as an experiment with Facebook Live. I did it one time. I wanted to see how that thing worked. I was sitting outside. Most people are like, "Here's my dog." Because like, I think at the end of it, your son walks in. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's right." It was called God does not exist. Yeah, God does not exist. So I don't need to repeat myself. Anybody who's listening to this topic, listening to the podcast, can go check it out. But in, in a nutshell, in yeah. one minute, now here's the idea. Yeah. Um, first of all, words are important. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's fascinating about this whole fake news phenomenon, yeah. this so-called post-truth, alt-facts yeah. time that we're living through, yeah. is that it has legitimately sparked off a profound and pervasive epistemic crisis. Hmm. Absolutely. People don't know what is real. That's right. Wow. And that's kind of in a lot of ways... Great, because uh, and this is what I've been saying about fake news. Right, Muslims have been saying this for forever. Like, the problem is not fake news. The problem is the news is fake. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, when Trump dismisses CNN, Fox News, ABC, CBS, CNN, Philly, New York Times as if they're fake news, not Fox News. <laughs> He didn't mention them, huh? He says Fox and Friends is great. But no, on that tweet that he sent out, what he. He left out Fox News. Interesting. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So that's interesting. That says yeah. a lot about, yeah. you know, you could take a lot, a lot of ways to interpret that. Yeah. My point, though, is yeah. when, when the President of the United States is dismissing these news organizations and outlets and journalistic mediums as fake news, only an idiot believes that everything they say is fake, mm-hmm. right? But also only an idiot believes that everything they say is true. Mm-hmm. So the truth is somewhere in between. And Muslims for the longest time have been saying to anybody who's willing to listen, listen, if you really want to know what the teachings of this religion are about, first thing is you got to ignore everything you hear in the media. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which was almost an impossible demand. Like it's an unreasonable demand on its face. And now suddenly we've entered into a phase in American history where you say that to somebody and most reasonable people are like, okay, proceed. Yes, I already... I already don't believe that I see in the news. And mm. So the fabrication uh, of, of, of fake news, the, the exaggeration and the fear-mongering and the, you know, the power of nightmares, right? It's a great documentary on BBC. Okay. How media can be used okay. for psychological manipulation <laughs> is a fact. Wow. And so I think that it's actually in a lot of ways amazing that Trump has opened up the Trump Trumpism and the fake news phenomenon has opened up a space where, for the first time ever, reasonable, educated, decent Americans are saying, okay, so what is this thing Islam really all about? Mm-hmm. And in a way that is, that is unfiltered and in a way that is not processed through media. Mm-hmm. That's the word, media. Right? It's an it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a intermediary between A and B. That's right. So I would say that, you know, this is an unprecedented time, and I'm certainly in my lifetime. I've never seen anything like this. So, well, well Ezra, thanks for, thanks for coming back. No, and man. Thank you guys for doing what you guys are doing. This podcast is on my uh, rotation. and uh, Yeah, man. And uh, you guys are, have been doing it now. Um, I think serving the community, making a lot of us proud, and putting on wax a lot of important conversations that I believe will only become more important over time, more valuable over time. That's my belief. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. Uh, putting on wax. That's a, I, I got to borrow that. I got to keep that in my I stole that from Hasim al He always says that to me. You got to put it on wax. <laughs> you can't say it, put it on tape anymore. So. 
right? Well, it's like a throwback, right? It's so a throwback, that's right. The albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vinyl. Vinyl. My, my 10-year-old today, because because uh, my, my mother-in-law is visiting, and she was talking about how they have these old records that they want to get rid of. Oh, yeah, what's, what's a record? They're trying to... So, it's like, you don't know what a record is? Oh, no, a record. Like, if you run the fastest, it's like, no, no, no. No, no. <laughs> trying to sit you down. Yeah, it's going to be like that, dude. I mean, it's yeah. going to be more and more like... It's incredible, man. The, the velocity... Of technological change, yeah. you know it's been I, I, yeah, how said a million times, times yeah. but it's like, you know, while it is true that every generation of elders will always look at the youngsters and you know, oh, in my day it used to be blah blah blah, but it's never been so such pronounced. a quantum leap. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. in in one lifetime, yeah, our, lifetime our lifetime, we're going to literally go from no internet, pre-internet, yeah. to internet to mobile. To artificial intelligence, to virtual reality. That's right. Each one of which represents a significant, like, uh, shift in the way humans are living life. Yeah, it's incredible. It I mean, is. Try to explain an iPhone to somebody from like not 1980s. Like, I'm talking like 2003. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, I, I I talk about this in my classes with my students. About I talk about this in the context of, of language and how quickly language changes. But I was like, me, 20 years ago, I'm a senior in high school. If you were just pluck me out of 1997 and just right, I would be lost oh. because because so much. Yeah. I mean, we because because you know it's like you watch those science fiction movies where they have like futuristic talk. Yeah. It's like we're we're doing the futuristic talk we're right in the now. Future, yeah. But we don't realize, you know, we've, we've lived yeah. through it. But it's like, I mean, look how rapidly technology has changed and really? how that's, I mean, the, a con, like selfie, right? We don't, that word is contingent on the existence of, exactly right. of, of you know what I mean? So many technologies, right? Yeah. yeah. So many yeah. technologies, yeah. that's right. Because the internet, the smartphone, the, you know, sharing apps. App. The, the word app. The camera app. in the phone. Yeah, app. Absolutely, man. I couldn't agree with you more. It's, and, and I'm just, my point is that. Dude, virtual reality is around the corner. Yeah. Right. Like these virtual reality goggles and virtual... Matrix. Yeah. You know, are you sleeping on this? Or you know what I'm talking about right now? No, no, I know what You know what about. Oculus is? I've, again, heard the term. Bro, Oculus is a company that was acquired by Facebook for $2 billion. And yeah, people don't know it exists yet. And okay. it's going to birth the platform that virtual reality filmmaking and apps and gaming and all the whole universe will rest probably on this platform. That Facebook is betting big on, bet big on, yeah. and everybody else, Google is making stuff, Microsoft making stuff. Like yeah. virtual reality is hmm. like the jolly world. I mean, wow. there's no complete antique, yeah, complete uh, evisceration of the distinct difference between reality and imagination. Imagination. So it kind of goes back to the conversation. Blurring of the line. Just at the beginning, um, about 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 all facts and alt reality yep. and, and, and fake. If you think about it, those are all attributes of Dajjal. That, that's right. Archetypally in our tradition. Talking about the, the Antichrist. Antichrist. Yeah. Yeah. Dajjal, the imposter Messiah, who is basically the Muslim understanding of the end time prophecies concerning the Antichrist, mm-hmm. which again, for the longest time, dismissed as like, oh, this is that uh, my religious mumbo-jumbo mythology. Yeah. Like, not due to every major religious tradition on earth has told of the end times. Yeah. And those prophecies are like coming real every day. And we're all pretending like Jared Kushner's Kushner Properties address is not 666 Fifth Avenue in Manhattan. That's a real fact. Yeah. I swear to God, dude. Jared 
Kushner's company. <laughs> family company. Donald Trump's son. And it's not like some website or no. Go on Google Maps and type in Kushner Properties and the address is 666 Fifth Avenue. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we, can't we can't talk about this. Stephen Madden gave an interview to the Hollywood Reporter in which he said, and I quote, okay. What's the first example he gives? He says, uh, Dick Cheney. Okay. Uh, Darth, Darth Vader. Vader. Yeah. Satan. That's power. Like, <laughs> dog, these are your inspirations. That's, like, oh my God. That's worry, Trump legitimately was asked by, a, like, at the forum for their Christian family value thing. I, I don't know what it was. Some Which he's thing. a sterling exemplar. Exactly. Yeah, evidently. And then the, the interviewer says to him on the stage, I'm sure you guys saw the clip, mm-hmm. have you ever asked God for forgiveness? Yes. <laughs> he said no. <laughs> like, dude, you're a devil. <laughs> Bro, what? That's the archetype of the yeah. devil. That's, that's, like that's, 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 that's in all the books. That's in all the books. That's the, yeah. that's the definition of <laughs> Satan, dog. What are you talking about? It's so weird, man. So I don't. We can laugh about it because yeah. no, we have to but, keep from crying. But yeah, I, to keep I, from crying. I want to tie this around. I mean, in your mind, I mean, everything you're saying. This is one thing I've said since the beginning of this campaign. Is is that he he didn't hide any of this, right? This is oh not, my god! This is this You're is exactly not right. Because yeah. I was I was thinking about somebody earlier today was talking to me and was like, oh, it's like a, a Star Wars, you know, Palpatine. And I'm like, dude, Palpatine pretended to be a good guy for like the first twenty years, and then suddenly he had a heel turn, right? right. This guy, right up on Front Street, he's like, I'm yeah. gonna do this terrible this thing one. and this terrible sure. thing, this terrible thing. I've done this terrible <laughs> thing and this terrible <laughs> thing, and I may or may not do these. Terrible and I could do this other terrible thing and yeah. murder somebody. It would make I'm people like, knows it. Yes. I get great ratings. I get great it, ratings. It was not a, a, an eliminating factor. No, wow. that's exactly right. That's no, no. It's just we are living through a surreal, yes, time. surreal time. And so that you know, I think that, that there's a lot of lessons to be drawn from that. But uh, suffice it to say that um, uh, everything you're saying right now is like <laughs> there's this comedian in Chicago, young black comic, hilarious friend of mine, St. James. I mentioned that he's black because uh, it's relevant to my relationship with him. Sure. <laughs> and so uh, he just he's just a great young writer. And he, had this, he killed me the other day, man, with this joke. <laughs> he's like, I think it's funny Donald Trump might get impeached for being the first president to do everything he said he was going <laughs> 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 It's so great. It's such a good joke. I'm so jealous. Like, ah, wish I wrote that joke. That's right. Um, anyhow, man. So that's what's up on the political front. I yeah. feel like, I feel like these are you know tense times. Obviously. So how do you respond to that as a yeah. as a comedian, as a humorist? Do you feel as, a heightened urgency? Yeah. In what you do. Um. Yes, I do. And I'm trying to get to why. Like, what exactly is it? Yeah. Because I I want to be very deliberate about how I'm responding. To external provocation, mm. okay. and what I mean by that is, um, you know, I've realized that I need to resist the temptation to just succumb to the culture of fear, because there is already the fear. This this fear mongering is actually a huge part of the problem, and if we just walk into the narrative where it's like, be scared, be scared, be scared, why? Oh, because ISIS is going to get you, right? That's the dominant framework. Uh, the dominant framing, mm-hmm. uh, the Muslim, the radical Islamic terrorism is the problem, right? 
like the bombing in Sweden. Just the so, other day. Just, just yesterday. So, exactly. Just, yes, just yesterday. So that fear mongering, which is not based in reality, in that case, completely fabricated lie. And even when a terrorist attack happens, right? Uh, no attempt to understand why, what is the motivation of these people. It's just like, let's just peddle fear and make people feel scared. Yeah. And that fear then <clears throat> is resulting in this backlash against Muslims. Yeah. And now Muslims are, are living in fear. Correct. So mosques are getting burned down. Yeah. Muslims are being you know, spat on, attacked, beat up, killed even, like you saw with those young Muslims in uh, North Carolina. Yeah. So... Mm. Uh, this hit home for me, by the way, just last week, bro. Quebec. There was a... No, dude. No, I'm just saying. In, in, yeah, Quebec, Quebec perfect example. Desert. In displays, Potter Masjid by my house. Oh, I heard about this. There was a nice. false... There was a basically a false... Or a, a fake... What do they call it? Like a false alarm. Uh-huh. Terrorist threat. That's right. He was outside or, the parking know, lot. Yeah, a bomb threat. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you the story because it sort of captures the zeitgeist in this moment of all these different tensions. And you'll see in the end why there was actually something that was kind of hilarious about the whole situation. So, my children have gone to Quran school there. Like, two of my sons memorized the Quran in this mosque. <clears throat> my two younger sons go to school there now. One of them part-time, one of them full-time. So, this really hit home, home for me, okay? So we get a message from the school administration, my wife and I, that, oh, school is being uh, canceled for the rest of the week. Uh, at this point, it was a Wednesday. They said Thursday and Friday we're closing school. This is last week. Yeah. Because there was a, basically a bomb threat. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, what is going on? Like, what really happened here, you know? So it turns out the story is that there was some dude, uh, again, I'm going to mention his race because it's relevant, white, white guy, glasses, like wearing this weird bandana, and um, came into the mosque. Security camera footage recorded him walking all around, three levels upstairs, main level downstairs. Wow. <clears throat> and then before leaving, went up to the building kind of super, the janitor, who's a Mexican-American convert, doesn't speak English very well, so there's a lot of interesting cultural layers here. Mm-hmm. And the dude says to him, like, are you a Muslim? And he goes, yes. And then he says, well, this is a really nice mosque. Too bad it's going to go boom <gasps> next Friday. Okay, and then leaves. Now, here's the funny part, though. Well, no, let me, before you get the funny part. So, this was obviously a serious threat. It was people were freaking out. Of course. He told the mosque leadership. They called the cops. The whole situation. They ended up looking at the security camera footage, identifying the guy. The cops knew him because he's like a local crazy guy. Wow. So, they arrested him. He was evidently uh, taken in for a psychiatric evaluation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, we get back the word that everything's cool. False alarm, he's just a crazy dude. Now, everybody kind of breathes a sigh of relief because it's not a real threat, yeah. inshallah, God willing, yeah. the next Friday. At the same time, at the very next breath, it's kind of like this is immediately one of those cases of like, oh, white guy does something crazy, you know, he's mentally deranged. And it, it's like brown people are not allowed to have crazy people. You know? yeah. Yeah. Some of these yeah. Muslim so called ISIS people, some of them are just mental. But we never get there because it goes immediately from zero to 60, and next, you know, it's international front page news. Because ISIS is going to get you. So that was the reason why there was more of a pushback about like, okay, well, thank you law enforcement, but that's not, we're not done here. You know, we need to 
also address the fact that this happened. It's a real threat. Okay. There are real threats in our community. Mosques are being attacked. People mm-hmm. are being shot. Mosques are getting burned down. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the larger point, which is that this is only happening because of the larger politics of fear and the situation that we're in. You're trying to ban Muslims and yeah. talk about empowering neo-Nazis and alt-right. Let's yeah. call them what they are. They're fascists yeah. and neo-Nazis. So what was hilarious about it in the end to me, though, is that this guy the whole time was wearing rollerblades. <laughs> okay. So the footage is of him like coming up to the mosque on rollerblades. Skating around. And then skating around the mosque. And then dropping this threat. Like, yo, too bad. It's going to go bomb on this Friday. And then roll it out the mosque. It's like a, it's like a Batman it's villain. Just, so, so there was a press conference held. That night, my care in Chicago, okay. and because I'm like, oh, you know, whatever, semi-public figure, but also more importantly, a community member, and yeah. my father of a student, uh, Ahmed Rehab, who runs yeah, the yeah, care, so. care Chicago, asked me if I'd go and stand on the stage and then mm-hmm. say a few words. So I just said to them, like, you know, I'm not scared. Okay. Muslims are not, we reject the politics of fear mm-hmm. and the culture of fear and the fear mongering, mm-hmm. right? And we're not going to live in fear. You know, we're not. I'm not scared of Richard Spencer, and I'm not scared of Stephen Banner or Donald Trump. Quite, quite frankly, like I'm not. Scared. Muslims, by definition, yeah. believe in God and fear no man. Yeah. We only fear God. And so, my message was sort of like, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm not scared of a terrorist on rollerblades. Like it's not gonna. It's not gonna have an effect. It's intended effect. He's the rollerblades immediately undermined. Any level, you can't be threatening a rollerblades. Is my point. <laughs> it's just impossible. So anyhow, that's. Um, I think the answer. This is my answer to your question. Which yeah. is, uh, am I feeling a heightened sense of urgency? urgency? I think there is no way to deny yeah. that you know things are getting hot. I mean, it's it's been. I mean, when, when we when we talk about the the comedic framework specifically, what I've seen certainly. Uh, since the election, but I would say really since inauguration, is this drive towards very sharp political commentary in late night. You know, Trevor Noah is, I would say, energized. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Stephen Colbert, who had been avoiding yeah. sort of political commentary that was really, you know, in reflective of, Harder, his, yeah. of his previous persona, he but he's, he has... Seth Myers Seth Myers on late night is yeah probably he's the like most the, fighting, yeah. and yeah. John Oliver you could say I would John say Oliver is killing I, it I would yeah. say in terms of daily daily stuff pulses da- uh, Seth you Myers can't be Seth Myers is like the new John Stewart in, in, I agree, in terms agree. of his uh, segment you know? first uh, what is it for further the closer closer I mean really Jimmy Fallon sort of stands out for his studied apoliticalness yeah you know. But I mean, it, to, to to that point, right? And others, even even uh, among the entertainers, there there's usually a sense of like, well, we don't want to dive too deep because sure. we don't. But there there seems to be, again, urgency. Like, yeah, we really right. need to draw attention to. This. I would say SNL you, even. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I would even say that you know I think we talked about this in the last time I was on this show, but I mean I've been incredibly blessed in my career and in my art and as a comedian to get to work with Chappelle uh, over the years, right? And I've gotten to learn a ton by just being with him, talking to him, studying him, his work, and his moves in in the industry. And I would say that, you know, um, watching what he did on SNL Mm -hmm. right after the election, 
and particularly the stand-up portion. Yeah, right. This is my bias because I'm a stand-up, but the, the stand-up monologue he did on that show was, to me, two things. Number one, the kind of stand-up that is evergreen and people will be watching it in 40 years the way we, the way we watch Richard Pryor yeah. until today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's timely, but also timeless. Mm-hmm. That's right. And the second thing that happened was, I believe Chappelle, in that set, basically raised the bar of stand-up as an art form mm-hmm. in America. Why, though? Can yeah. I, and I'll explain why. Yeah. And, and the reason is because the content of his stand-up is so real and talking about such real things that are the very issues that are behind the feeling of the urgency you're talking about yeah. that other comics who are just not talking about anything hmm. like oh, who's on Tinder yeah, like, uh, that, that, that stuff is just garbage now mm-hmm. like overnight it went from being potentially sellable you know pop comedy yeah. to becoming just hacky garbage mm-hmm. and so and, and, and this is the nature of stand up because it booms and busts yeah. so there's a lot of stand up right now yeah. And this has happened before, and so what happens is, um, you know, something happens that require that causes a ton of the comics just that are not great to just go away. That's okay, right. the first big boom that's happened was in the '80s, comedy club boom. All these clubs opening up. Next thing you know, everybody wants to be a comedian. There's enough money to go around. They're getting to tour. Blah 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 blah. Next thing you know, cable television comes along. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, I could watch stand-up comedy on television at home for free. Instead of having to go to a comedy club, comedy clubs started shutting down. Yeah, a ton, a huge exodus of, of you know, B minus and less stand-up comedians. So that's happening right now because everybody thinks they can do comedy. There's so many platforms you can be funny on Instagram, yeah. YouTube, blah blah blah. But guess what? Great comedy is still great comedy. Mm-hmm. There's only a handful of Chappelle, C.K., Bill Burr. Those are three of the most real, amazing stand-ups right now talking about the realest stuff. And every, then there's everybody else. Yeah, Bill Burr was just on... Uh, I want to say he was on Conan. He was talking about... He, you know, he, he really laced into the Hillary Clinton campaign oh, yeah. in a way that... I don't yeah. know, did, did you see that? I did, yeah. I, where I was like, I mean, he, he nailed well, it. It's, you, the, you mentioned Dave it. Chappelle on SNL, and that was right after the uh, election. That was like four days after. Four days after, because it was a Friday after that Tuesday. And then we just had his. What about Aziz Ansari? Ansari on yeah, same, right. On the same stage, days after the inauguration. The next day. Well, yeah. What do you feel about? I mean, I don't know if you've ever met. Aziz yeah, no, I know Aziz. Here. I've met Aziz. Uh, but I yeah, thought his set times. was was really poignant as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um, I mean, for a guy who I think is a young kind of atheist, yeah, right. Identify I think that, you know, song. I think that um, it's an unfair question in some ways because okay. it's sort of like... Not asking you. Chappelle is an, a living legend. He's no. an icon. And I think that Aziz is an incredibly talented young comedian. Right. No, I didn't mean it's implying that you, yeah. you, you are comparing the two. Yeah. Your thoughts on And I have so much respect for Aziz, so I don't want this to come across as like no, a, right. a hateration, you know? Not at all. Um, and I have a, you know, interesting, complicated relationship with Aziz, I'm sorry. So, but I love him, and I, I think that his work is important, and I think that it's actually, I'm, I'm very, um, uh, I'm very grateful, and I'm very happy that he is talking about, you know, being from a Muslim family, and speaking out and writing for the New York Times and, and, and talking about it even in, in his stand-up and, and in his show to That's a degree right. because, you know, there was a time where a lot of brown people and certainly Muslim brown people felt like Aziz was doing that sell-out Hollywood thing, mm-hmm. trying That's to right. whiteify his entire identity to just uh, make it in show business. 
and uh, you know that's frustrating for all minority groups to see that happen when they feel like one of their own mm. is given a platform and is not really representing. Mm. So, and there's a guy called Aladdin. Allah, do you know Aladdin? He goes by Aladdin. Mm. Aladdin. Allah. He's a he's a playwright and an incredibly talented guy in New York City. He, he was one of the first brown guys who ever did stand up, like you know, legit in the industry and mm. in clubs and stuff. And he was around when Aziz was just a kid starting out, you know, at NYU. And he would tell him, he would be on him about this all the time, like, yo, you need oh. to. So I think it's beautiful to see that Aziz is, is kind of coming full circle. That's great, yeah. man. That's right. Yeah. And, and it's also funny to me because, um, you know, and not to, we're spending all this time on Aziz, but I guess. No, but Hassan Minhaj. Hassan Minhaj, yeah. Anybody who is a brown per- Muslim person in show business yeah. and has a identifiably Muslim name. Hmm. Okay. We've had Asif Manvi on the show. Asif Manvi, exactly. Um, uh, somebody else was coming to my, coming to my mind. Um, Fareed Zakaria, he's not a stand-up comedian, but his name is... Um, he, he's, he's, he's adopted a very American pronunciation of Fareed Zakaria, right? But it's like uh, Fareed Zakaria. Uh, these public figures yeah. in wow. American culture yeah. and pop culture and media culture he doesn't have a very Americanized name, but what's the, he's up for an Oscar. Oh, Marshall oh, Ali. Mar- 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 yeah. I heard him on, on Terry Gross's uh, uh, Fresh Air, and he talks about his conversion to Islam. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story. And, and he's right from Oakland. He's right here. Right, he's, yeah. a, he's a local. Yeah. He's a local. And Bar- Barry yeah. Jenkins. The problem is that the ulama would say that he's Ahmadiyya, Qadiyani. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but this is back to the where we started. That's right. These cracks... And internal intra-Muslim phenomena Cleavage, yeah. are all about to have a huge spotlight shine on them, mm. and uh, and so Great. much of you know Great. this, I, I'm 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 feeling more and more that probably what's going to happen, okay, who knows in the future only God, is that Islam in the United States, which is poised for just like incredible, America has become incredibly uh, wonderful soil. Where the, to, the the seed of Tawheed, of oneness of God, mm-hmm. will blossom. That's my belief. And if you go through and all the dots, I can show you, you know, what the, what my belief is based on. Okay. But the point is, how will it look once it's? Happened? Yeah, yeah. And I think more and more that you know, everybody who tries to think about that ends up to some degree projecting their own oh, fantasy yeah. onto what is going to happen. For sure. Because it's what they hope will happen. I would say putting aside any of my own biases, mm-hmm. right, becoming aware of them and putting them aside, just trying to be completely as objective as possible right. and knowing what I know about just culture and art and you know the, the, the world that I live in. Okay. It's my belief that Islam in the United States already is kind of very syncretic. And will become increasingly syncretic the way Islam is in Indonesia. So Islam in Indonesia, we consider Indonesia the most populous Muslim country, etc., etc., etc. And at the same time, it is a very unmistakably Indonesian flavor of Islam that is incredibly syncretic with Hindu, uh, you know, pre-existing culture, mythology, uh, you know, art, etc. And nobody has a problem with that. And so Islam in the United States. You know, it's going to be an incredible fusion hmm. of a very Christian, uh, you know, Muslim flavor. Yeah. And Muslims in America will, by and large, you know, like the rest of the world, be what I call 
believing secular Muslims. Hmm. I talk about this in my one man show. Yeah. You know, believing secular Muslims. We hold the beliefs. I don't doubt any teaching that I know verifiably comes from God and the Messenger of God. Hmm. According to the methodology of classical, traditional Islam. Right. I believe all of them. Right. Okay. Now, the devil's in the details. Are there certain details about which classical scholars articulated certain legal <laughs> positions? You know, uh, moral positions or legal positions about X, Y, or Z detail that, that that no longer conform with where the world is at today regarding questions of ethics or morality. And is there space within Islamic theology, metaphysics, to to, 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 to simply be accommodationalist? Mm-hmm. This is a huge. This has been the same question perplexing Muslim thinkers and minds since the beginning, beginning of the religion and since the moment Islam encountered non-Arab culture. Absolutely. Wow. Persians, Indians, Turks. Later. It's the same thing. So as Islam indigenizes further into the United States, more and more Americans who are deeply rooted in really deep Western you know, studied in the Western canon mm-hmm. and are committed to you know, core philosophical ideas and principles mm-hmm. of Western civilization, most of which, by the way, have no conflict with any core teaching or idea from, from, from the Islamic ethos, yeah. is going to birth a synthesis that the world has basically not, never even seen yet. Hmm. But it's coming. It's in the future. We've seen little hints of it. Mm-hmm. Like Muhammad Ali is from the future. That's right. Wow. Dave Chappelle <laughs> is from the future. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Dave Chappelle's most deaf is from the future. Mm-hmm. So if you just want to study how it's going to look, you, we have glimpses of it. That's right. But it's my belief that it's good. And by the way, you know, if we go through all the celebrity, well-known, popular Muslim you know, public figures, guess what? They all practice Islam a little bit differently. Some of them are much more religious. Some of them are not. Some of them drink. Some of them smoke weed. Some of them... Fornicate, they have, you know, some of them. You know what? They're called people. Muslims yeah. are not saints and angels. They're human beings. Yeah. So, this idiotic notion that, again, we project onto the way we want it to be exactly. because we happen to be connected to ulama and scholars of Islam, and, and so every all of Islam should. It's not reality. That's right. And it's never been. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we love, people love quoting the 1.5 billion Muslims, 1.5 billion Muslims. How many of them are praying five times a day? How many of them know how to pray? How many of them know how to make wudu correctly according to any of the four classical schools of Sunni Islamic law if they're Sunnis or according to Shia law? It doesn't exist. It's, it's, Islam already is secularized yes. in the world. The lived reality, the, all this nonsense of the so-called reformers and they want to... This is idiotic nonsense. It has nothing to do with reality. reality. Mm-hmm. The lived experience is that religious people are always a minority as far as the practicing aspect goes, but Muslims, what's so dope about Islam is the vast majority of them are actually believers. They still believe in it. Yeah. And that's a huge difference. And that's what keeps up people like, you know, Jared Taylor and Richard Spencer and Frank Gaffney well, well, and all these haters. And they're like, you know, why can't you just have the same relationship with your religion that we have, which is that we don't really believe in it and care less about practicing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you've just described is the reason that, you know, Act for America and all these characters, Brigitte Gabriel, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. You know the uh, cast of characters. It it's their their view of the religion is itself erroneous. It's faulty, right? And it's predicated on on the idea that you can stamp out a belief, that you can stamp out an idea. Yes, and that, I mean human history says that that's not the case. Yes. 
I mean, this is going to become, again, when I talk about the spotlight being shined on, on these cracks. Yeah. The macro issue yeah. underneath it all is the same question that has been, you know, ex- it's a demon that, the, that Muslims have been trying to exercise uh, since colonialism. And that is, you know, how do we live our lives in the modern world mm-hmm. in a way that is simultaneously at home in the time that we're in, That's right. and at the same time uh, faithful to the beliefs and values that we hold as based on our religion? And that question, how do you activate that? How do you live that? Yeah. Is the question that various political groups and uh, you know various currents throughout Muslim societies tried to answer have been trying to answer? Some of them got it terribly wrong. Some of them got it kind of right. Some of them are still... Everybody's still trying to work it out. Nobody... I would say nobody on earth is, can point to an example and say, here, see, this is the perfect example of how to... You know, tur- people like to point to Turkey or yeah. Morocco, or excuse me, Malaysia. You know, that's, they all have their pros and cons. Yeah. Nobody's worked it out perfectly. So how to be a living, believing Muslim that's right. in the modern world is an open question. And, 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 and I would say that, um, you know, it is and it's not. Because it's like there's plenty of examples right under our noses. The Bo- Bosnia has existed in Europe for centuries. So the, we don't, we pretend like we don't have these. Same thing in the United States, right? African Americans have been indigenous American Muslims for centuries. Certainly uh, in, the, in, the, in the last century, you could say that the movement of Imam Warthi Muhammad, Allah mm-hmm. of God, uh, have mercy yes. on his soul. I mean, he's a great saint, and again, he's from the future. He lapped everybody. He did. He lapped everybody. He showed people that the, the the fundamental absurdity of actually the point I'm making that it's an open question. His response would be like, "No, it's not. Right. We've already yeah. solved this." That's right. And uh, and I would say that you know he's right. The added layer is the immigration dimension. You know the the fact that Europe and America right now. In their relationship, this is why they're so obsessed with you know immigration the and, immigration. and uh, the, this issue of you know if you don't have borders, you don't have a country, mm-hmm. because they are legitimately afraid that the Islam is such a potent cultural and civilizational force that it will somehow overtake the Western. They, that's why they talk about the jihad, civilizational jihad, oh, yeah. clash of civilization, Huntington. Yeah, Huntington. 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 That's the that's the that's the whole base. Yeah. That's the basis of their whole exactly, but I'm saying also the intellectual leadership of the the, the Islamophobes, the oh, yeah. industry of Islamophobes. They know they, that. they they know this much, right? That 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 this thing that we're they want to call it Sharia, trying to distinguish it from Islam because they're trying to say like, look, they know that it's absurd to say Islam is the enemy. Yeah, one point five billion people, whatever, being waging war on a billion human beings. It's right. an insane idea. So what they try to do is figure out a way to articulate exactly. the very ideological aspect of Islam that they have a problem with and they're calling that thing Sharia and the six Sharia is the problem. There you go. Now here's the problem that of course Muslims have with that framing is that first of all you're hijacking a word from our tradition that it has a meaning already and you're trying to use it to mean something that it does not mean. Exactly. Okay. At the same time the problem that they are griping about which is political Islam ideological Islam identity Islam activist Islam the Islamic movement Known by all these different names, mm-hmm. that phenomenon is a real phenomenon. It is, and it is in many ways arguably called Blankenship makes this argument. He calls it Muslim Zionism. It's predicated on a type of Islamic supremacy. Yeah. 
Mm. We are post-colonial phenomenon. Phenomenon. It's rooted way more in fascism and Marxism and political communism and political ideas than it is rooted in anything that has to do with religion. This has nothing to do with religion. So this is why. So this tension of Islam is Islam a religion or is it a political movement? Is at the root of this whole what what is about to unfold, exactly. and and it, the reason why it's so convoluted and difficult to tease out now is because the ideas of Muslim supremacy, if you will, or the Islamic movement themselves are cloaked with all this religious language and scriptural references, etc. That the average Muslim has no idea that this is the thing I'm being taught, which is quoting these verses from the Quran and the Hadith but being quoted to me to advance a narrative and, a, and a, an idea, a large idea, that is not rooted in tradition, they have no way of knowing that. They don't. And so this thing is a cancer, man, because Islam is a religion, it's not a political movement. Politics is incidental yes. to the Islamic worldview. It's not core. It's not. We're, it's not we don't, we're, not, we're not after building a theocracy. Right. You know, the, the Islam, the ideas of the prophetic religion can be actualized and lived in a democracy, in a monarchy, in a socialist republic, in a whatever. I mean, human beings are human beings. Yeah. And religion is about the interior anyway, and it's about your relationship with God, faith, morality, beauty, spirituality. These are not affairs of the state. Yeah. So this tension, I think, man, is about to pop in a big way. And these conversations are going to be very difficult. There's going to be a lot of internal tension in our communities because in our communities we have been taking for granted that activist organizations and activist type Islam, what I call identity Islam Mm -hmm. political Islam it's somehow okay that it represents Islam and and, and, and by let me me not mince words Okay, this is very important though I disagree philosophically with the conclusions of political Islam And I believe completely in the arguments articulated by Olivier Roy, for example, in his book, The Failure of Political Islam. Yeah. I would never say that anybody affiliated with an activist organization is a terrorist. Yeah. That's insane. Okay, right. This is an insane idea. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, when we say terrorism, I think the next big conversation that's about to happen, Trump said it um, in his interview with Bill O'Reilly right before the Super Bowl. Right. You know, this is a historic moment where a sitting U.S. president is being interviewed about a dictator, and he says to him, uh, Bill O'Reilly says to him, "Well, you know, do you do you admire, do you respect Putin?" Yes, I do. He says to him, "Well, how could you respect him? He's a killer. He's a murderer." And he says, "You think we're so innocent? There's a lot of killers out here." Now, this is this is insane for a sitting American president to say this because he's basically saying, "You know what? American exceptionalism is BS." Okay. We're all killers out here. That's what empires do. But, they kill. But he, it's what's what's even more extraordinary. What you're saying is absolutely true. Absolutely but but true, he but. he he framed it as a as a reason to say, look, he's awesome, just like us. We we do some shady stuff. So does he? He's great. We're all great. We're all it's great. not. It's not. We, yeah, you know. Well, he's got work to do, and so do we. It isn't that. That's right. It's hey, we're, we did some. No, because he, he's a realist. He he's engaged in power politics. Right. He's a pragmatist. Exactly, he's a pragmatist. Excuse me, yeah, yeah. and he, he's saying pragmatically, this is the fact. That's right. Oh, this is the reality on the ground. Words. Correct. And by the way, I respect that. To be perfectly honest with you, as an American, right. uh, do I, would I rather live in a world? Correct. 
We're the United States of America yeah. is the sole superpower yeah. and is the policeman of the earth right. and gets to have the biggest military with all this crazy stockpile of nuclear weapons to blow the planet up many times over. And, and, and would I rather live in a world with that exists, which I agree is evil in a lot of ways, because mm-hmm. why do you want to have an empire that is just... And so why are there weapons that bl- can blow up the world many times over? Yeah. What, what is the scenario in which you need to blow up the planet repeatedly? I mean, just make sure you got strange, just, just a case. strange, like insane, absurd yeah, result. Check. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just in case the Earth regenerates, we're going <laughs> exactly. to here again to destroy the planet. Pretty much covered it the first so, time. so, so the fact that yeah. these weapons exist, I philosophically and uh, spiritually yeah. believe this is evil. Right. Sure. Okay. Right. And and God knows what t- level of hell the inventor of you know the bomb and gun and missile is going to be in because this has wreaked nothing but horrible havoc on the right. face of the planet, planet Earth. Okay, sure. Weapons of mass destruction, yeah. Who, who invented weapons? Mm-hmm. Think about the concept. A weapon that can inflict not just destruction, yeah. mass destruction. Yeah. Okay, that's an invention not of Eastern human beings. Hmm. The, the, the very thought that we want to be able to inflict mass destruction on other human beings and parts of the planet Earth is not a thought that it has ever occurred to to my knowledge, you know, some Chinese, Japanese, or Desi person, or Arab military general, like, sure. yeah, we want to destroy this entire continent. Sure, it's just a, it's a real crazy idea, all right? Yeah. And it's a very evil idea, actually. Well, and, and then you linguistically link that with collateral damage. Of course, well, that's you know, newspeak, right? They do yeah. that all the time. Yeah, yeah. But here's my point, though, is that that's e- I'm articulating all these yeah, arguments yeah, right. why this is bad. That's right. Now, what is the alternative? Yeah. What is the world I'd rather yeah. live in? Okay. I would rather live in a world where there's nuclear, uh, you know, uh, there's uh, disarmament and these weapons are, yeah, they'll be wonderful, okay? In the meantime, that's not the world we live in. So given that we're in this world, like, yeah, dude, America is dope and is certainly the best system of governance that human beings have been able to work out of self-governance is a democracy with checks and balances to keep people in power in check so they can represent the will of the people to build a truly free society. Sounds beautiful, poetic. Sign me up. All right. The problem is when the rubber meets the road, you get caught up, caught in your underwear a lot. So now that there's this tension happening, I'm saying, would I rather be empires are the history of the world? That's correct. I want to be a conscientious citizen of the empire. Empire. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Oh wait, we have more. Conscientious citizen. (laughs) I feel like that's like our mic drop moment. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's like Moses who's required to go into the house of Pharaoh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's raised in the house He's of Pharaoh. He's raised. Pharaoh. It's crazy, man. So American Muslims yeah. have a message for the Pharaoh, and they have to have the courage to deliver it with faith and certainty and putting their trust in God, mm-hmm. not in the ACLU. Like, mm-hmm. this is a dangerous time that's going to test the faith of people. So what is... Okay, so then bringing it back to... What you do? So, what is like? Where does cultural production, comedy, what role does that play for you in speaking that truth to power? I don't know, man. I mean, that's a big question. It is a big question. Uh, how about we start? Okay, so we're recording this on President's Day, but uh, ironically enough, but um, you, you you just wrapped not just wrapped, but what a couple months ago you wrapped a comedy show that you were doing out of Zinni's this is. Chicago. My stand-up, but, uh, the yeah. one-man show. Yeah, the one-man yeah. show. That yeah. was in Chicago. In Chicago. Chicago uh, was it, I forget the name of the club. Uh, well, it was at a theater called... Oh, that's uh, right. It was a theater called uh, Silk Road Rising. That's right, Silk Road. Yeah. And they tell us about that show. So I, you know... Yeah, okay. Tell us about that show. Tell the us show, like, maybe not only the genesis of it, but, but, but kind of maybe some of the material that you get into. 
Something what? Some of the material that you get into there. Some of the material, yeah. Okay, so the show is called, was called, or I guess the show is called, yeah. Ultra American, A Patriot Act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the genesis of the show, I mean, I've basically been kind of slaving over it um, in my mind and in my heart for years. So I've done it, I did like an early iteration of it in 2011 that was called uh, Citizen of the World. Okay. And then some of those ideas uh, that stayed with me and that I knew I wanted to refine them and work on them more, then they became the basis for a show I did in 2015 that was called Un-American, A Patriot X. And Un-American was, you know, probably the most political thing I've ever done, Mm -hmm. where it was really me trying to explore these tensions that I feel as an American and as a Muslim and uh, really as I would say as an Indian American Muslim and and some of those tensions have to do with speaking some very brazen and uh, honest truths that could be seen as as disquieting truths Um, things like for instance I have a joke in there about how you know uh, I've been feeling a lot of conflict in my heart as an American I didn't realize how conflicted I was until I went to go see American Sniper in the movie theater. That's right. I went to go see American Sniper. I was like, hell yeah, I want to see Bradley Cooper kill some bad guys. I enjoyed his work in Hangover 1 and 2. So I I was sitting there in the theater, man, and halfway through the movie, I was like, hold on a minute. I think I'm rooting for the Iraqis. (laughs) So... That just saying that out loud yeah, sure. is is I believe um, you know therapeutic. Yeah. I believe it is uh, it is um, you know what's the word like when you when you, when you have uh, cathartic. cathartic cathartic. It's cathartic for right. me to say it yeah. for people to hear me say it. That's right. For them to laugh at me saying such an honest statement, right. and for those who are in the audience that agree with me, they're laughing out of recognition. And those who didn't know, have never had that thought, are laughing out of like, you know, I knew that's what you thought. (laughs) I knew that's what you must be thinking. And thank you for finally being honest. Okay? Because this is is one thing that that, that pisses me off to no end about uh, American Muslim political activism. It's like we are, uh, we, we are basically occupying the space of uh, what black men occupy in America, which is that you're not allowed to be angry. Huh. Wow. Mm. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Right. A black man becomes angry, he's an angry black man. Immediately yeah. dismissed, not taken seriously, just complaining. All right? Which was, I mean, that's, Muslims, what, yeah, Muslims, that's what President Obama dealt with for... 100%, yeah, exactly. That's why the angry, angry translator bit of Key and Peele was so genius. Okay. Yeah. So Muslims are in the same oh, yeah. position. It's okay. like... Angry Muslim. Yeah, you can't say anything... About the like, like, time out, guys. Terrorism is the number one problem on earth. Yeah. Everybody wants to talk about it. Everybody is talking about it. Mm-hmm. And we're not allowed to talk about the fact that o- Trump said Obama is the founder of ISIS. Yeah. Why did he even say that? Yeah. Well, what does he mean by that? Yeah. You know, America has a hand in doing a lot of ugly shit in the Muslim world. Mm-hmm. You can believe that if you need to. So th- those are facts. The yeah. political facts. These are histor- these are not alt facts. These are, these are, <laughs> yeah. real, these are known facts. Yeah. And, and by the way, Muslims who just kind of refuse to uh, be honest about the fact that you know 
sometimes the interventionist policy of the United States can result in bona fide justifiable anger right. about you just indiscriminately killing, murdering half a million to a million innocent Iraqis mm-hmm. over weapons of mass destruction that didn't even exist and lied to the whole world and we all know now mm-hmm. and we're not allowed to be angry about that? Yeah. Well, what, are we, what are you talking about, man? Yeah. So it's, it's artificial to not be, to just right. do, play this game of like, we love America and yeah. we're so happy to be here and uh, we love... Uh, yeah, I mean, dude, please stop. But... What you came to the realization also was, and I think someone tells you this, I think, if I remember correctly from the trailer, was that that was being, that you questioning these things and and grappling with these things (laughs) and struggling with these things was quintessentially not un-American, but rather ultra-American. That's right. That was Cat Williams. That's right. So Cat Williams, okay, so I got to open for Chappelle when he came to Chicago in December of 2015. Okay. Huge highlight of my life and my career. So he's coming through, he's doing 15 shows, and then he invites me to be the opening act. Huge look, right? So one of the nights, throughout the run, different, you know, friends of his and celebrities, and I got to, got some mad, you know, depth from like, you know, Chance the Rapper, and uh, what's his face, Uh, man, uh, Joakim Noah came one night. This is a cool little story from my life, you know, my career, because my kids are huge NBA fans, all right? So, Joe Kim Noah, for me to meet Joe Kim Noah, is the, right. I would be the coolest dad, right? I mean, I took a picture with Kevin Love one time, and they were just like, like, whatever. Who's that? Or, who's this yeah. white guy? So, 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 so yeah. Joe Kim Noah, I was like, yo, yeah. this is going to be dope. Oh, yeah. So, I see him in backstage kind of coming through the hallway, and I was going to ask him to take a picture. Uh, so I can show my kids and he's like yo man I came back here to take a picture with you bro you wow. killed it it was amazing it was yeah. alhamdulillah that all thanks to God yeah. was an amazing run Cat Williams came one night yeah. to the show right so he saw my stuff by the way when I first first meet him like a real senior comic just oh, immediately yeah. started giving me some notes hmm. didn't even say anything later on I learned from my wife who came that, to that tape that night because Chappelle was taping the, the set she was like he was. She didn't know who he was. He was, he was such a gentleman to me. He was so sweet. Made sure I had like a chair to oh, sit. Wow. And really wonderful human being. So anyway, man. Long story short, I got to hang out with Cat uh, Williams that night. Beautiful human being. Uh, you know, don't believe the hype, right? That's right. You know, people only get to know celebrities through the media. Again, it's mediated. So who is the real guy? You may never meet that guy. Right. right? He's an incredibly thoughtful and actually brilliant person. So we had some very interesting conversation. Anyway, at some point I said, look, I can really use some advice. I have this show I'm doing, bada bada boom, and I tell him about the title. And at this point, I had already done Un-American, yeah. the live show, uh-huh. but I was thinking about the special. Uh-huh. And I said, I want to call it either Un-American or I want to call it uh, Black Flag. Okay. Big I, think I think I'm moving away from Black Flag. Uh, primarily because it is the name of a roach killer. So, so, so he says. He, so when I explain un-American, and for your listeners, just to understand why would I call a show un-American? Well, because so many of my inspirations and great iconic Americans were at one time denounced. Hmm. As un-American, we talked about Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, Muhammam. exactly. Noam Chomsky to this okay. day is still Malcolm X. Okay. All right, people forget, man. Lucille Ball, right. okay. Uh, yeah. Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, right. yeah, some of these people were arrested, man, during McCarthy era. Okay. So how can it's amazing to me that you go from being a pariah uh-huh. who is hunted by the state, prosecuted and dismissed and labeled as un-American, to then being on U.S. postage stamps. 
Okay, it's amazing. This country is incredible because America has the, the ability to self-correct yes. and go back and say we were wrong about X, Y, or Z. So I'm saying right now, today, you look at me, I'm an American, oh yeah? Well, I'm in good company. Sure. Because yeah. this is, you, you, don't, you don't even know what's coming. We, we just, we're from the future. So, uh, so I told uh, this whole show idea to, yeah. to uh, Cat, Williams. Cat Williams, and he says to me, like, man, I love what you're trying to do with that. But he said, uh, you're a lawyer, right? <laughs> and I was like, because David told me told yeah, yeah. about me. I was like, I used to be. He's like, yeah, but I can tell because the way you talk is so smooth and sophisticated. <laughs> He's like, uh, you shouldn't call the show un-American. No, he said, I wouldn't call. I wouldn't say you are un-American. I would say you are ultra-American. And that was a powerful, powerful conversation for me. Yeah. Honestly, it affected my relationship with my stand-up yeah. and my own art, but also my own conception huh. of myself. Perceived, yeah, as an American Muslim. Yes, bro. Yeah, right. just just to piggybacking off what you were saying earlier about American Sniper and sort of how that's like a, a juncture point. I mean, I can... My own experience as a film critic, I mean, yes. that that was... That's like, okay, well, this is now... I My job as both a film critic and an American Muslim, I have to somehow reconcile my responses to this yes. film. And yes. you know, so I had to somehow thread this needle of, well... It's a good movie, mm-hmm. but it's a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. And somehow be able to, you know, and uh, I got plenty of hate mail. You know, I got hate mail. Oh, you're in America now, Mr. Hassan. Wow. Is, you know, and I, I always say, like, I get hate mail for when I'm critical. Get on board with the killing of the empire. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was, it's really like, uh, you know, and, and the point that I made in my review of that film was it's the unblinking eye of the camera is deciding on our behalf mm. whether the character is righteous or mm. not. Mm. Right. Dude, I have this fantasy to make uh, a movie. <laughs> that it could even just be a dope trailer, which is which is um, the world of American Sniper. So it opens with a clip from American Sniper. Sure. But then the rest of it is from the point of view of the guy who gets shot. Oh, American Sniper. Sure. Because they also are people, by the way. Right. And they're res- engaged in a resistance well, to an occupation of their neighborhood. Well, but this is but the thing, right? Is is the, the, the film makes you complicit as you're like kill that kid yeah kill that lady right That's because right. because yeah. you as the audience it's like you yeah. it's 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 a binary situation yeah. what i was going to say to usher's point usher's point as well is i mean this is clint eastwood yeah clint eastwood had made flags of our fathers but he also made letters from iwo jima uh, right where he kind of well between those and that he talked to an empty chair and i feel like no well, to be fair i mean yeah <laughs> But he does that, is, isn't that? I didn't see letters from Abraham, but, yeah, but, but that's the other side, the right? Is, yeah. Of the flags of the father story. Yeah, yeah. Father he's an father. artist, man. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. So to him, you'd say, "Look, I'm a filmmaker." That's right. You know, yeah. I make, I made a movie, and and by the way, um, Bradley Cooper was heavily involved in the making of that film, as far as like getting the securing the rights to the story, meeting with the widow of the sniper, Chris, whatever his face, yeah. uh, Chris Kyle, you know, God, Chris Kyle. <laughs> I don't believe that he was, he was a good human being. Uh, I mean, for him to say they're savages, yeah. right? Like, that's exactly. It's like, well, hold on a minute, dude. Who's the savage here? Right. Who is walking into somebody else's home and murdering them? Yeah. Who's doing that in this equation? And and this is all getting back to the complicated nature of double consciousness. There you go, double consciousness. So anyway, so but so, other, so then I changed the show to Ultra American. Then I did the show. A phrase and, coined by the very famous Web. Yeah, well, <laughs> 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 hilarious. 
Sorry. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, a ref, that's a deep cut reference. There's a deep cut. Thank you. Deep yeah. cut reference to the show. <laughs> anyway, man, look, I did the show, and to me, it was an experience that I I did. Here's the honest to God truth. So, yeah. I never would have thought about doing a play. I'm not a playwright. I yeah, don't know anything yeah. about theater. Mm-hmm. The theater company approached me, Soko Rising, and said, would you want to do that? a one-man show? And I knew that if I didn't commit to something, I was never going to do it. Wow. So I said, yeah, sign me up. So um, a year in advance, we signed an agreement that I would do an 18-show run. And then I was just left to my own devices, and I twiddled yeah. my thumbs for months, and baked it in my head and kept working on it. Yeah. And then finally had to submit a script, so I finally sat down and wrote the whole thing out. And a lot of it was taken from my stand-up, but a lot of it was yeah. forcing myself to write down ideas that have been baking in my mind, mm. and I have disparate notes here and there over years. So now, is that ever going to? Is that are those recordings or a recording of it or some form of it ever going to be made available for people? I hope not. Yeah. My intention at this point is to do an hour of stand-up okay. that is heavily inspired by the ideas from the One Man Show, but I, that's the project I'd rather try to make commercially viable okay. and then distribute. Okay, because I mean, I, I I was privileged enough not to catch. I mean, you you shared a recording, but off, off, offline, as it were. But um, there was musical interludes, and you had a producer. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, was a director. It was very, like, for you to say that it was like you had to almost think of it as a, as a play. Now I see what you're talking. Yeah, about. it was a play. It, it was, was a scripted play. That's right. There were acts. Correct. It was a scripted play with stage blocking, lights, cues, lights, and sound cues. It was a it was a play. Visuals. I perform it as a play, mm-hmm. as an actor. So I only got. I mean, so just hearing the audio of it was just wasn't doing too justice to. The people who actually sat in the audience. And what right, no, no. It was a performance. That's right. It was right. a it was a theater performance. Mm-hmm. And I knew nothing about that world. I learned a ton about it. And, so let me ask uh, you, like, if I could lean in a little. So I, having heard it, and it was just, I mean, brilliant insight into some of the things. And, it, and you get into stuff like conspiracy theories and all kinds of stuff, right? Great stuff. It's raw. Very raw. I felt like, I mean, it was you're like it was like the rawest I've ever heard you. I mean, and I say that as a as a positive. Like you, you, I mean, you covered stuff that is 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 just, yeah. I mean, it's very real. But was there anger as well too? Like, was there like? Do you, would you say that the comedy <laughs> so anger? That's a great question, yeah. man. So every night before I'd go, literally every night, I'd okay, notice, every single night of the performance, yeah. I would I would go and watch. I would be backstage in the room, like my little ritual before I'd go on the stage, and I would watch the Jesse Williams BET speech. Oh wow! Because uh, the tone of that speech was the tone that I was trying to deliver. There you show. go. There you go. And the tone that I love, what I love about that speech, and why I think it went viral, and why I think it's so dope, and why I think it's so raw and honest, etc., yeah, yeah. is because he says all of the blunt truths that need to be said a with a smile. Yeah. And you don't feel anger behind what he's saying, exactly. even though clearly he was very angry along the way. To arriving at these truths that he's articulating, mm-hmm. that's undeniable, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of anger behind. Wow. You know, when you when you're yeah. oppressed, you know, oppressed people have understandable, justifiable anger toward the oppressor. There you go. The, or or people who've gone uh, who have who have underwent trauma. Trauma. That's right. Trauma. That's right. People. Anger is a, is a hey. valid and legitimate human emotion. Thank you. And so the question is not like I think it's it's erroneous to to tell somebody don't feel anger. The question is, what? How are you channeling that anger? What are you doing with that anger? What should you do about anger? Right. You know, uh, the Prophet said, and even in our religious teaching, we have a lot of teaching about anger, anger. right? 
And so it's like, you know, for instance, such a beautiful practical piece of advice, like if you're if you're standing up, you know what I mean? Sit down. Sit down. If you're sitting down, lie down, make wudu. Make wudu. Like these are these are really practical and beautiful kind of mystical teachings. Making wudu. Like what does making wudu have to do with anger? Okay. I mean, Allah God knows. I mean the the Sufis have a lot to say about these things. But uh, there's some the, the point is there's a relationship between the acts Absolutely. and the emotional state. And so I would say the act that I chose is to, to try to turn it into comedy. Absolutely. And try to I try mean, to channel that feeling into into art. Another Chicago native, I mean Ralph Ellison talks about this. I mean, you know, in terms of like there's a, there's a very thin line in, in Invisible Man. Like there's a very thin line between anger and, and, and righteous indignation. But but it comes it, it stems from that anger. You have to feel anger. You have to be moved by something. Correct. In order to have that indignation. Yes, you have to be activated by that emotion. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So I think that that's what I try to do. I try to use yeah. it as a as a as a as a um, as fuel mm. to channel into creative creativity. Because hmm. otherwise it's just like I'm just sitting there angry or whatever. I think that a lot of people who are Facebook commenting and getting inflamed wars online and stuff like ah. they just have too much anger and they just don't know what to do with it. Mm. And especially now a lot of us coming outside me is because they're looking at the world crumbling and they feel like trapped and there's nothing they can do. They feel powerless. So let me just go and just write some angry comments and get into a flame war and feel like I'm doing something with that anger or go on Reddit or whatever they I, people do. I don't know if you have a comment on this, but I mean, in, I wasn't even intending to go here, but I mean, was, you know, some of our some of our scholarship recently has been embroiled in sort of online hate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and trolls. I, I, the trolls. I mean, I think of a recent guest. I mean, this is no secret to our listeners. I imagine who follow the show. I mean, you know, Jonathan Brown was recently involved. Yeah, was sort of embroiled in this whole. And it's blown up from within sort of the Muslim community. Oh, absolutely. It's an article I read in the Washington Post about it. And now all these right-wingers, all the the same characters that you call them, the the rogues gallery, uh, they're out out with the blood in there, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, the the sad thing to me... Yeah, but the sad thing to me about both the Sheikh Hamza Yusuf episode and the Jonathan Brown episode... Yeah. uh, Let's talk about Jonathan Brown for a second. What didn't surprise me is that the alt-right and all these guys yeah. wanted to pick, pick up. up quotes and then try to use them to make these absurd attacks that a Georgetown professor, tenured professor somehow is justifying slavery and rape. Right. Right. It's yeah. such a ridiculous... It's fake news. It's, it's on its face. It's, it's fake news. <laughs> Trump is right. It's fake news. Right? Hashtag fake news. Yeah, yeah, hashtag, it's now, great now, right now, part. Yeah, to me, that doesn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, that exactly. the right wing is going to... It, it lends itself to a bright bad yeah bright exactly uh, headline exactly so it, it's like let like them do their control makes that's what they do only. right that's what they do I can't be surprised <laughs> by, by them doing what they do absolutely what it was surprising yeah, right. and remains surprising mm-hmm. to me and the only way to understand it and, and address my own surprise is by referring earlier to the fact that there is a difference between Islam the religion and Islam the political philosophy ideology identity religion and that uh, is the fact that you yeah. know. I recently was introduced to the term the hermeneutics of feeling. Feelings. <laughs> the hermeneutics of feeling. Her, her, hermeneutics of feelings. I love it. Is that what it is? Where did that come from? Okay. Aliyatai. Aliyatai. Dr. Aliyatai uses that term, right? right? People who want to interpret religious scripture and religion based on their own feelings. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so <laughs> it's such an idiotic proposition because anybody who actually studies 
real religion Allah. as understood by religious teachers and scholars throughout the history of religion. Someone like Jonathan Brown. Someone like Jonathan Brown, right? <laughs> they know that yeah. the very basis for calling yourself a Muslim mm-hmm. is that you believe in, number one, God, and a prophecy. There are of certain the value propositions you have to buy into. Correct. Right? And, and the notion that somehow anything the messenger of God did is now immoral, that you could pass a value judgment on it, say the, the prophet has something like God forbid, yeah. is immoral is an idiotic, inescapably nonsensical position to hold. You are, by say, by alleging the prophet is somehow immoral, you're actually taking some outside of Islam, stuff from Allah. Technically speaking, right? It's a, it's a non-negotiable belief that he is ma'asum, ma'asum. infallible. That's right. And the, he is the basis of defining morality. Whatever he did is how we know what is moral, and whatever he condemned is how we know what's immoral. So hmm. your entire epistemological foundation and basis for claiming that you are a Muslim is highly suspect if you're attacking a guy like Jonathan Brown who's turning around and turning around and saying, hold on, time out. Yeah. So if you say that any human being who owned another human being, which is the technical definition of slavery, slavery. somehow is inherently immoral, you are now stuck in a theological conundrum. Yeah. Okay. No, absolutely right. And so for him to articulate this, he takes a tremendous amount of balls, by the way. Because now that's why they're saying you're justifying. He's not justifying slavery. In fact, he tried to clarify his comments. He's saying no, as a religious principle, when we talk about morality and making moral judgments, it has nothing to do with legality and outlawing or enabling or what is permissible, what is not permissible, what ought to be a, a method of organizing labor versus not. These are totally different questions. Yeah. To go to, to try to make a, va- a moral value judgment on the messenger of God, or for that matter, polygamy. A polygamy is somehow immoral. Like, so then you're saying the prophet is immoral, stuff for Allah, God forbid. So then what are you saying? Are you saying that morality changes over time? And somehow the prophet was... You know, immoral, immoral in his time, but immoral in another time. Right. God forbid. I mean, so these get into very complicated, thorny exactly. questions of faith and theology and um, law and, and and all these fault lines. And, and 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 so what surprised me though was the Muslim pylon. Oh yeah. On again on social media primarily. Oh, yeah. Um, what is also disappointing is that not more academics. And step scholars in. step in to articulate what I'm saying as a comedian. This needs to be said by people of, of authority and value whose opinion has worth, not some schmuck in a podcast that nobody's going to hear. No, no worthless podcast. <laughs> exactly. No, but, but that's a valid, that's a really, that's, the, that's very what, what the, the situation we're discussing with, with Dr. Brown, but also the, 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 the thing that happened to Shea Comes a few months yeah. ago. R.I.S.K. I, yeah, which I, we're not going to. Really? No, you, you, you wanted to talk about that. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I brought it up only to say that the, the, yeah. the, the heartbreaking thing to me yeah. in that whole episode, right? and this is something because I love him very much and I consider him very close, is the fact that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, the social justice warrior camp yeah. that wants to parse his words and critique the words, I'm not going to say that they don't have a point. Okay. Okay, some of the statements made, you know, are reasonably interpreted in the way that they're trying to interpret them. At the same time, okay, to throw a man under the bus. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Who, is, who, is, who is one of the most prolific servants of um, Islam and uh, the American Muslim community. Thank you. Thank you. And to just, like, dismiss him as a racist. Mm-hmm. Is such a, a, an offensive notion to me, and is so again 
the product of the social media environment. Thank you. Where yes. everybody has an opinion yeah. and everybody thinks their opinion is valid. Oh, yeah. And, and, and the, again, the pylon begins. Mm-hmm. And then the social justice warrior camp with their discourse wants to use it as, you know, uh, an excuse to grind their old axe about how he's, he's yeah. X, Y, or Z. Yeah. To me, that all that stuff is, is from the ego. It's nafs. Yeah. It's inspired from the devil. And the only winner in all of that is Satan himself. But, you know, when when that happened, yeah. when the Sheikh Hamza thing happened, I don't know if you remember, you and I were kind of texting yeah, right yeah. back and forth. But oh, yeah. but what what I saw there and now what I saw again with, with, uh, with Dr. Brown is this sense among some that, oh, these people are trying to take over our Islam. And no, they don't have the right to. So it's this sense of like, who are these Americans coming in? And, and you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, a, a real current of a weird kind of racism involved. And, and I, to me, this was the most uh, new thing about this. I mean, maybe I'm just naive because I don't usually wade into these waters, but this weird, like, simmering resentment. Like, how dare these people come in and take take Islam and try to tell us what it is or what it isn't. And I saw that said about Sheikh Hamza. I see it said again about Dr. Brown. I'm sorry, who do you say, who do you think is saying that? So, we, pe- people... I don't know, you know, people from the, you know, the subcontinent and... and, and Immigrants. Im- yeah, Immigrants you know. saying, who are these... I mean, I think Zucky's basically trying to be nice about saying, like, who are these two white dudes? Uh, yeah, I was uh, trying not to say it, but I mean, exactly. Who are these two white dudes? This, oh, weird, oh, this oh, weird kind oh, of racial oh, resentment. Yeah. Oh, anti-white racism. Oh, yeah. Among yeah. non-white... Muslims. Muslims. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting... Right, I mean, like, usually it's... It's sort of the right. They I mean, resent. I'm not the only one that's not. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, no, you're not the only one. I mean, you you didn't say it, but you, you're you're making an observance of what you're making an observation. Yeah, I I don't I don't agree with that spirit, but I did. Right. I mean, I'm not alone. You're making an observation space. about that was that was uh, certainly a segment of some of the criticism. Yeah, yeah. Not to say that it's. I mean, race, man, race is complicated in the United States. Yeah. yeah. And again, to me, I was telling you, come to this last night at the Zaytuna fundraiser. Right. I said, you know. Um, uh, when you talk about Islam in the United States, yeah. right, and it being indigenous, as alien as the very concept of race might have been historically to to Muslims, thank you, in the classical Islamic civilization, it's very much race is one of the most important factors of uh, that acts as an organizing principle of American society. Yeah. So it is impossible to talk about Islam in the United States in a way that is blind to race. Mm. And so we have to be aware of that and sensitize ourselves to that and then talk, learn how to talk about it in, the, in a constructive, positive, helpful, in a way, beneficial yeah. way. And, that, and, and that, by the way, the, 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 the goalposts keep moving. Oh, yeah. That's, a lot of this is generational. She comes to Yusuf 60 years old, almost. 59 or 60, yeah. It's a 60-year-old person, right? From put aside, well, he's a 60-year-old white man, which is what they were trying to say. A 60-year-old person in the United States and is not connected to the weird, the fast-moving, rapidly evolving discourse around gender politics and gender fluidity and, you know, uh, gender is just a construct, transgenderism. Are you kidding me? Like, this is so foreign to that generation that, show me any (laughs) 60-year-old besides the thought leaders of the movement itself that are hip to all this discourse. You know, trigger warnings and safe spaces and... You know, I'm serious. I'm being dead serious right now. No, so I this mean, is a this yeah. is a, a very new thing. Oh, it is. And if we can't cut a guy like Hamza Sheikh Hamza Yusuf's slack, 
and really try to give him a chance to explain what he meant. Yeah. And then, I mean, this is what I say, do they have a point? I mean, she comes up being 60, perhaps would benefit from listening seriously to somebody who can explain what's behind all this emotion, right? People are very emotional over this whole thing. Oh, yeah. So getting to what is behind their emotion Mm -hmm. would be the compassionate thing to do. Mm -hmm. And he is one of the most compassionate people I've ever met. So I have no doubt that it's just a matter of time before this thorny, you know, episode really gets resolved. But Imam Zaid, you know, uh, is... is, uh, you know, God bless him, I'm Zaid. We don't have to be secret about it, guys. You need to figure out how much time we have left. <laughs> no, was, yeah, we, we weren't thinking. <laughs> he, he doesn't pick up on the signals too good. No, like this. I, mean, He's like, I, mean, I didn't want to take too much of others' time. So, Dude, I'm easy, man. I'm, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm a night owl. I can yeah, go for right. 10 hours. I'm not impressed. <laughs> no, I mean, this is, I mean actually... Comedy. I wanted to do something about comedy I want to tell you guys. Yes. That's, that's a good way to kind of... Yeah. I think that stand-up comedians are, in some ways, almost like the new theologians. Okay. I love it. If you want to know what is the aqidah of the United States of America, study the transcripts of, you know, Bill Burr, of Louis C.K., of Chris Rock. They're all talking about big ideas, and they represent really kind of where the needle is at in the culture. Okay. So you want to know what people believe? By the way, they're pretty much. I'll, I'll solve the mystery. They're all pretty much de facto agnostics, hmm. you know, radical skeptics, leaning atheist. But I would say a lot of the atheism that I've encountered in stand-up and in art in, in show business is people who have never properly been presented mm-hmm. a truly radical monotheism. You know, a monotheism that is utterly uncompromising. And rejects any notion that God could be somehow, you know, encapsulated in an image or a, you know, a human form or anything that we would regard to be a creation. Hmm. The very essence of regarding God to be the creator is to recognize that everything that is non-creator equals creation, and every non every creation is non-God. That's right. It, it, it's funny because just what you're saying echoes something you know I've said to my brother a lot is that if you listen to like Louis if you listen to Louis C.K. the things he's talking about it's it's like a little bit this way and that's the same stuff Shikhams is talking about 100% it's, they're talking about the exact oh, yeah, same 100%. stuff Louis has a few more F-bombs in there sure but they're making the exact same thing, 100% you know no no absolutely I mean th- th- all roads lead to La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah I believe that, legitimately. And I think that the world is about to wake up to this uh, in a big way. I think that I'll make another prediction. Bigly. A bigly? Bigly. <laughs> bigly. I'm going to put this on wax. I'm going to put this one on wax. Put it on wax. Uh, the next hundred years is going to uh, also see a lot of intelligent people being, coming to God and religion through mm-hmm. the door of linguistics. Because neurolinguistics is concerned with what is being called the hardest problem for science, which is the following question, what is the origin of human language? Okay. Um, this is an important question that anybody who thinks about it for two minutes will figure out, like, wait a minute, time out. Till we can resolve this question, all the words we're using to debate and argue and talk, if there's no objective meaning to words... Then we're just using self, we're caught in a self referential loop of coined meanings and agreed upon subjective ideas. 
that are impossible to know that what you're what you mean when you say X is. And by the way, this is what, again what Trump and and uh, post truth alt facts. I mean, literally, uh, uh, John Oliver did a segment on on uh, Trump versus the truth on yeah. last week tonight. That's right. Brilliant, right? And he said, "What do what is, what does he mean when he says words?" <laughs> <laughs> What does Trump mean when he says it? Because you're right. We're, 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 the, epistemic, the epistemic crisis has gotten to such a degree yeah. that it's like, dude, what do you even mean when you're saying X? It's a Muslim ban. No, it's not a Muslim ban. But you said Muslim ban, bro. I mean, Giuliani was on TV saying he, you called him up and said, "Figure yeah. out a Muslim ban." How is it not a Muslim ban? Like you called it that. No, but it's not a Muslim ban. I just you call it a Muslim. We're ban. We're banning Muslims, but it's not a Muslim, Muslim ban. Yeah, it's not based on religion, right? It's just based on Islam. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait a minute. That's, so, so this is yeah. so so. Yeah. What is the origin of human language? Mm. Noam Chomsky, people know him for his political writings. He's, he's actually a linguist. Right? So he's considered the father of modern linguistics. And there's a great interview of his. Uh, called, the interview is called The Radical Linguist. You should check it out. And the uh, interviewer asks him about um, his theory called universal grammar. Right? He coined a term called UG, universal grammar. Okay. And his observation was that you know one of the most amazing things about human language is irrespective of which language you're looking at, they all have this internal grammar that transcends all the languages Mm -hmm. and is consistent as a set of principles regarding agreement between verbs and conjugation rules. It's amazing, right? Syntactical rules about the ordering of words. So So he coined this thing and he has this black box theory that, you know, you basically can't explain it and how does this come, how did this, how did this come about and how does it just keep replicating in human language and how do you explain this phenomenon? So this is the question the interviewer asks him. So he says, well, universal grammar is the idea that, you know, there is this code that I just explained. And he said, you know, this sentence that you just said, for example, it means something and it doesn't mean something else. It's, used, it's said in this certain combination and not in another combination. He said, how do you do that? How does the mind do that? And then this is Chomsky's statement. He goes, look, it's either a miracle <laughs> or, he says, it's, uh, there's some internal... Uh, rules that you know just uh, you're born with basically and we can't explain them and to me my response to that is like bro that's still a miracle it's either a miracle or it's a miracle like where did, where did it come from <laughs> so 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 he's actually considers himself an atheist but he is simultaneously admitting that it, this thing is miraculous that's right. and that's the basis of our entire religion absolutely is yeah. So God taught man that which he knew with a pen, Mm -hmm. that which man did not know. So words and language are at the core of our entire relationship and understanding of reality. Scripture, all all roads point to scripture. And scripture is a combination of words. So getting to this thing and then the fact that mystically like the Quran opens with alif, lam, mim, which are phonemes that have sounds that are composed of letters but have no known meaning. It's like playing with this idea of what is language? It is a vehicle for the conveyance of meaning. Mm -hmm. Language itself is created but meaning is uncreated. 
So the Muslim, and, and by the way, also the fact that the single biggest debate Thank in the you. history of Islam is over the origin of the Quran uh, the and the nature, Quran. sorry, the nature of the Quran. Yeah. Is it created or uncreated? A Muslim uh, inquisition is held, the Mihma, in which Muslims are killed and murdered over this question. Why is it so important? Because those guys left everybody. They did. Because the origin of human language is at the core of figuring out the nature of reality. It's either from God or it's not. If it's created, that has very different implications. Yeah. So the creativeness of the Quran, the Quran, it's amazing stuff, man. Yeah. So I think that the ulama and the mashayikh and the Sufis and the mystics who have delved deep, and theologians have delved deep into this question yeah. in historical, classically in Islam, Certainly. their arguments are super fascinating. And all these linguists now need to get hip to this. They're sleeping on this whole tradition. And the neurolinguistics neuro is then the... Uh, intersection of brain science with language because mm-hmm. their whole thing is does the mind create language Steven Pinker wrote a book called Blank Slate how the mind creates language and he's got a whole theory that he's sort of a, a Chomskyan figure you know he's not he, he differs from Chomsky in a lot of ways but he comes from that linguistic school if you will theory so I think that this stuff is going to become huge man mm-hmm. and the obsession with uh, studying um, Arabic that is going to start I mean, the, we've seen little hints of it. I'm putting on wax, man. Putting on wax. Why, why do people love uh, <laughs> sushi in America? Because it's exotic. Because America went to war with the Japanese. <laughs> You're going to have to... <laughs> I mean, that, that encounter That's of the... American... Dude, all these who knows more about a Muslim culture than the U.S. military? Sure, servicemen went to Iraq and have done tours. Of, they love shawarma, they love hummus. This, this the cultural fusion that takes place of being there. Some of them converted to Islam, some of them met okay. and fell in love. That mm-hmm. this is organic process of getting to that synthesis that you're talking about. I would argue that you know you just just a quick hop and a jump, just fast forward a little bit. Yeah, yeah, Hummus yeah. is already mainstream. Oh, yeah. You know the Arab cuisine, Middle Eastern cuisine, Muslim culture coming in sideways in a lot of different ways. Suddenly, you, next thing you know, it's not that exotic or foreign at all. Yeah. To consider that Islam is just completely normal, indigenized, and nothing foreign, weird, strange about it. Right. It's a really fascinating time we're living through. It is. It is. So only God knows the future, but. You know, my belief is that you know I'm very bullish, basically, about okay. yeah, what, what cards against, what cards against humanity called the unstoppable tide of Islam. No, but but being bullish is 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 a rare treat these days because so many people, some especially so many Muslims, are just are just down in the dole. Yeah, man, right it's all that so weak. It's all weak. I think your message is is wonderful. I, I love those people, and I pray, yeah. I wish the best for them. But yeah. th- we got to stop being weak. That's man. right. You know, we're not in Muslims. Don't come to, have never been in any place of the earth, uh, the ones who are at the vanguard anyway, mm-hmm. you know, and, and come with some weak message. Mm-hmm. You know, we have something beautiful to share with the world and something beautiful to share with America. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been so meek and weak and playing this, you know, game of, of, of politics in America, identity politics. That's what I mean. Muslims are, we're an oppressed minority and they're trying to ban us and they're going to... Like coming after us and they're attacking us and we're so sad and weak and shut up, dude. Like, no, that's not the way. We are inheritors of prophets. 
prophets, nobody oppressed anybody more than prophets were oppressed. Absolutely. But they stayed on their game, man. They stayed on their mission. And their mission is to save human souls. No. Right. And share and American God. history is 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 a is a history of communities and minorities and, and people who have come here and have asserted their place. Hundred percent. It's a place of competing hegemonies and, and and people have have had to put their most assertive, you know, voice forward. I think that, that is exactly right, man. Right. So, so, so I'm, it's I'm not only about... it's not only uh, antithetical to our uh, religious teachings; it's antithetical to. How this country works, man. What makes America? America is so dope, precisely right. because it just keeps getting better, man. There you go. It just and like you it, said, has had a its historical record has been one of correcting its course, rectifying, doing yes. its best to rectify its Correct. mistakes. And you know, going back to say some of the things that Sheikh Hamza said on that on that at that fateful during that fateful interview with, with Maddie mm-hmm. Hassan was exactly that. Like, look. We live in a society where people, you know, we've tried to rectify the wrongs of our racist past or of our past, and and you know, and that's what he was saying. And, and, and anyway, I don't want to go yeah. back to that. But no, that's right. What do you got? Okay, so what do you have going on? What do you want to sort of, uh, you know, what am I plugging? Yeah. Yeah, hype, hype something up for us. Plug, no, plug no, time. You got a lot going on. I got no, a lot of stuff and, happening, man. And I know some of it is you got to keep it under the record or yeah. off the record. So yeah, off, put it off, wax. The, off wax, off wax. Yeah, vexless. Yes, but 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 that which you can talk about, uh, please wax eloquently. <laughs> vex on, vex off. Inshallah. <laughs> Jav, you know about Javed Bhai, right? Jav- I don't know about Javed Bhai, you, but can I can I just since I've got you on this? Okay, so we go way back, and you know this. we go way back, yeah. way way back. I'm way thinking back. Houston, circa. I know him as Perv. That's right, uh, Perv. You took it to Perv. Laharu Lakma, you got Perv is short for Perv, not a Perver. <laughs> That's how far away I think we go. No, you might be bored. There you go. And I know there's some people in Houston right now who listen and are laughing up. Because oh, dude, the, the Houston crew. Right. So I don't know most of those guys. Groves. And, there you uh, go, Groves. And in fact, Amar was just sending his regards. Amu, man. Amu is, is like you. a brother. Is That's my right. Brother. He is. He's a family. He's I don't a, I don't see him, bro. As I'm in Adol. Yeah. But those guys are brothers to me. Their father. Their child, yeah. 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 That's right. Anyway, so, I, so I'm taking it back to 91. You had told me this joke, man. Ninety one. I'm thinking for the dude. So that's Uzzer, Uzzer has always been a funny guy. This is when he was a back. This is back in the days when he was a budding doctor, uh, a budding physician. No, budding lawyer. <laughs> thank you, budding something. Um, and you know, but anyway, and there was a joke with the with the student and the teacher, and it was like, oh my god, fatigue. Do you remember? Can of you, course. Yeah. Do you remember the whole joke? Yeah, I know the whole joke. Could you put it to wax, please? Oh my god, put that joke on wax, dude. <laughs> The, but okay, but it, this joke has evolved since you first came. Oh no! So, oh, no, 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 no! You're gonna get the, no, no. the, you know, like the original me. trilogy. It's got the original George Lucas. I got you. Yeah. It's gonna, it's been remixed in a in a better version. Okay. And so, but, okay, but, but I'm gonna tell you at the top that um, there's gonna be a portion at the end where non-Urdu speakers will miss some of the joke. Got it. But it's still worth it. It it's, is. It's a great joke. So the joke is basically as follows: like. We'll end on this. How about that? Thank you. Yeah, this is a deep cut. So, no, this is a deep cut. Talk about what you're working on, so I don't want to... Okay. We'd be remiss not to do that. Okay, so, so hype first, and then... Yeah, hype first, and then we'll end on the joke. Yeah. So, I'm in a show that... This is the biggest thing that's happening career-wise, is that I'm in this uh, Amazon original series called Patriot. Beautiful. So, that show is dropping on Amazon Prime uh, this week, Friday, uh, the 24th of February. So I played this recurring character on the show. I'm in like, I think four or five episodes. It's a small part, but it's like evidently an important part in the show. And I think that uh, the creator, Steve Connor, the creator, writer, director of the show, 
has like big plans for this character, I think. So if the show does well and goes on to multiple seasons, right. it could become a big thing. They put a lot of money in it, $50 million uh, to make this show. Right. So there's a lot of you know really legit people attached, and, and they've already made it, and it's doing well on the festival circuit. Great. So that's dropping on Friday. Yeah. Um, also, in that show, I appear um, semi-disrobed <laughs> in, in a scene which uh, I think may get me in trouble with you know, some of the Muslim brothers and sisters who are concerned for the fate of my soul. And I would know, and I would pray that they pray for me because may yeah. God forgive me for engaging in um, compromises that I personally feel are makru and maybe like haram, according to ulama, God knows best. And I would just encourage people who like really think I did a bad thing that they should pray for me instead of like attacking me. Because... Hmm. Um, you got to make some complicated choices sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and one of my relationships with Hollywood from the beginning has been um, knowing what your, where your lines are because navigating uh, many of those situations where you're going to feel ethically or morally compromised in some way right. uh, requires you to, to do this difficult dance. And what I have to remind myself sometimes is that there's a difference between making art and making a living. Okay. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that detail gets skirted over where like an actor, because we as a community don't think of acting as a legitimate profession. That's the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. If we did, then we'd be able to understand licenses for actors to do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. The same way we have Muslim male gynecologists who engage in something that's ostensibly like completely forbidden according to the rules of the religion. But because they're engaged in a legitimate profession of providing medical help, we allow for a dispensation. Amazing point. Yeah, so uh, I think that act, as acting just becomes, you know, by necessity, because I actually believe philosophically that acting by and large is, not, not all actors, but by and large, most people who are actors these days are just entertainers. They're not really making art. And therefore, what are they serving? Mostly their own egos and the devil. Not really anything that's of a higher purpose. Mm. But that craft of acting is a beautiful art form. I believe that. Anyway, yeah. we're, getting all, we're getting sidetracked. So that's my long-winded uh, disclaimer about seeing me in my red chandies. Um The other thing I'm working on is my special. I'm taping yes. my first ever one-hour stand-up special. Inshallah, God willing, in May in Chicago. I'm working with a director called Rami Youssef, who people should know about. He's amazing. Uh, R-A-M-Y. And then Yusuf, he spells Y-O-U-S-S-E-F. I, sh- I would encourage people to just check out his work. Hilarious comedian, young guy, ridiculously talented. So he's going to be directing. And then um, I'm working on other stuff. I'm developing a couple of pilots for television with a couple of the comics. So those are two different projects that are different levels of... One of them, we actually have written a full treatment and a script for the pilot episode. So we're probably going to pitch that in the next few months. And then just in general, broader term, um, you know, a film that I've been chipping away at, a film script, mm. bunch of writing stuff. And I write a lot, dude, I realized. Yeah. But I write, I don't have any discipline in my life. So I just keep putting ideas down and I'm betting on the fact that, you know, at some point all this is going to come together in right. the right way at the right time. Yeah. Uh, I will say one thing that is an essay. I want to put pressure on myself to write it, so I'm going to announce it. Because yes. I've been writing it and I need to finish it. And it's called uh, Make Allah God Again. 
Oh, how, how Donald Trump, fake news, and uh, Islamophobia are fueling the quote unstoppable tide of Islam. Hmm. And it's about a lot of these theories that I've been yeah. putting out there about what I think the future is going to be and look like with the synthesis of Islam in the United States. And last thing let me say also, because we've been jocking America a lot, yeah. I actually really do, like, I drank the Kool-Aid. And my belief is that I've been growing up my whole life seeing America come to the rescue for a lot of things. And Islam at the moment in world history is being destroyed actually from the inside. Mm -hmm. And there's a cancer that is destroying the religion itself from destroying, you know, physical like shrines of saints and what have you to destroying the intellectual foundation and the pedagogy and the methodology of preserving the religion itself. And that is a problem. And so it is also possible that God could unfold an amazing thing whereby, an amazing historical phenomenon whereby this religion comes into America and the synthesis that results is America saving Islam from the Muslims. And now a joke. (laughs) Godspeed, man. I mean, <laughs> wow, yeah. And it is only God who could have scripted uh, a situation That's... whereby horrific events would happen overseas that would ultimately result in Syrians being scooped up. These are people of Bilad Sham, a holy yeah. place, huh. and sprinkled across Europe and America. That's incredible, dude. So we're witnessing miraculous times. Yeah. May God, uh, may God make us strong believers, yeah. and protect us from all the evil. That's right. I, I mean, mean, especially like. You know, one-eyed Dajjal cartoon characters in kids' movies. Because that's all slap. Minions. I still remember. <laughs> Minions. I, I, Monsters I, This day, like this is like four years ago, whenever it Double was, minions. I was talking to you. Yeah. We were like, Minions, Shayabdeen. <laughs> and my kids, they're like, Baba, we want Minions. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> well, my kids are all about Harry Potter. Dude. I hate Harry Potter. I'm like, this is a satire. You know, he's a magician, bro. But... <laughs> He's it's just, it's, I really, I would look, part of me is like, I'm 80% joking, like maybe 70% joking. 30% of me is like, yo, legit, seriously, like, uh, J.K. Rowling put this whole thing out there, and I don't know if it's net positive or negative, because it's a lot easier to dismiss miraculous type events as just nothing. Or coincidences. Yeah, explain them away. Correct. When you've been conditioned to think that magic is not, it's just fiction, it's fiction, you know? But we're living in the age of magic and miracles, bro. I mean, it's weird. All right. Too too much seriousness. Uh, This is a great joke. Thank you for reminding me of that. No problem. So the joke is basically, so let's, okay, there's a guy, let's just call him, you know, Javid Bhai. So Javid Bhai comes to the United States from overseas, India or Pakistan. Let's just say, make it uh, India, because I'm India. Let's pick on us, yeah, exactly. And then Jamalbek comes to America, and, you know, his English is real broken, and he doesn't speak it well, so he decides to enroll in the ESL course. English as a second language. It just so happens that the instructor is also, like, a Indian-Pakistani background, speaks Urdu, which is convenient for Jamalbek, because he can sometimes talk to him in Urdu, and he... And so um, he also ends up getting tested sometimes from the teacher, you know, translation exercise. So, problem with Javid Bhai, he's a real nice guy, he's a little bit annoying. He's always got to like have the last word and like make some comment and be annoying. So, first day of class, teacher walks in and Javid Bhai already has his hand up because there was already an assignment. So the teacher says, yes, Javid. Now teacher, 
that assignment that you gave, it was a little bit wagyu. So the teacher was like, excuse me? That assignment that you gave, it was a little bit wagyu. V-A-G-U-E, wagyu. <laughs> so the teacher is obviously like, oh, listen, the word is vague. It's not wagyu. It's pronounced vague, okay? The U and the E are silent. Right. So then Javed Bhai, he's got to be annoying. So he goes, actually, you know, I know that one is the way. Uh, that is just a slip of the tongue you. It's a slip of the tongue you. You know, T-O-N-G-U-E, tongue you. So now the teacher's getting a little frustrated. He right. says, it's not tongue you. I just told you, you don't pronounce the U and the E, it's tongue. All right. So then again, he's got to, actually, I also know that one is a tongue. Uh, that is just due to the fatigue you. You know, F-A-T-I-G-U-E, fatigue. So now the teacher's like really frustrated and he says, this is not fatigue. Told you the same words, the U and the E are silent. It's fatigue. Please, John, let's stop wasting time. To which he responds, okay, fine. Let's not argue about it. <laughs> Such a dumb joke. Okay. And then the second part of the joke is at the end of the course, right. you know, now the teacher is okay. like... This is the... Um, uh, this is the... Remix. Remix. Remix, sorry. This is the sequel you haven't heard of. <laughs> the sequel. So the sequel is that uh, toward the end of the course now, it's the Akhri Imtihan, final exam. So the teacher has worked out by this point, they've gotten to know each other, so he says, I'm going to administer a listening comprehension section. I'm going to give you sentences in Urdu, translate them in English. Yeah. No problem. Which is an expression you might hear in a bazaar if you haggle too much. Right. So John Bai thinks about it for a while and says, okay, okay. Take na to take to take your way. So he goes, Acha, dusra Second sentence he says is Vogaya ke esa gaya ke chalahi gaya. So, he says, he went, ke esa went, ke went, he went. <laughs> okay, the best one is the last one. The last Akhri Jumla, yeah. He says, ye ho nahi sakta hai. Or agar ho gaya, to hota hi rahega. You got it, right? He says, ye ho nahi sakta hai. Or agar ho gaya, to hota hi rahega. Now you guys both speak with the word, you gotta make an attempt. How would you translate this? Okay, repeat that again, sorry. Ye ho nahi sakta. Yeah, this can't happen. Or agar ho gaya. And if it happens, to hota hi rahega. It'll just keep happening. Happen. So he thinks about this for a long time. He's like, ye ho nahi sakta. Or agar ho gaya, to hota hi rahega. This cannot be done. And if it is done, then dun 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 That's a pretty good joke. That was a good delivery of that joke. Thank you. You brought it, you brought out the best in me. I love it. I love you guys, man. Thank you so much for having me on Diffused Congruence for the return. Yes. 
And, uh, and and the, the first of what we hope will be many more returns. Oh, bro, I love you guys' thing. I think that I actually often think of good guests for your show. Yes, you do. And I think you guys are doing a tremendous service, putting it on wax. You guys are sort of like pioneers and, and Generation 1.0. I don't think you should take it personally or take it, uh, get angry if other people come and make dope content that is like, might even be repeat stuff you've covered. Right. But you guys are the first to be and you should take great pride in that because podcasting, as you know, you're deep into podcasting. I'm a, I believe that everybody's sleeping on podcasting as a medium. You know what I mean? It, it's an amazing medium that is fundamentally dissimilar to, especially a flu, flowing conversation like this. Correct. Because it captures captures a moment in time, and uh, you know, put it on wax, man. So I think that I've benefited tremendously from great podcasts that I listen to. I think you guys are doing great work, and I think that inshallah, great things to come. And that wraps up this conversation. Big thanks to our guest, Azar Osman, for coming on and being so generous with his time. I hope you had as much fun listening to this discussion as we had just being a part of it. As Azar mentioned, Patriot is on Amazon Prime right now, so please do check that out. As for us, please send us your feedback, diffusecongruence at gmail.com. Also, hit like on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash diffusecongruence. Hit up iTunes, hit up Stitcher Radio, wherever you find podcasts. Write a review, leave a star rating, let people know what you think of the show. Every little bit of feedback helps. With that being said, on behalf of my co-host, Pervez Ahmed, my name is Zaki Hassan. This has been Diffuse Congruence. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey.